Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, what's your name? My name is Dan from Desert Island Dicks. It's a strange surname, but I'm going with it. I've changed it by deed poll, so there's no getting away from it. This episode features Alex Lowe. He's also known as Barry from Watford or um, Clinton Baptiste from Phoenix Knight, and he's popped up all over the place over the years, and he's a very funny man indeed, so I hope you'll enjoy this. Before we get stuck in, though, a reminder that tickets are now available for our next Desert Island Dicks Live, featuring Lou Sanders at to North Down. It's on the 4th of February, which is a Friday night, so you can come and have a laugh with us and then go out drinking afterwards or just go out or, you know, have to drink, do whatever you want, really. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're looking for a last-minute present to buy someone, then why not say, hey, look, I didn't want to clog up your life with more crap. What I've done is bought you an experience. You know, we can both go, you and I, to see Lou Sanders at 2 North Down on the 4th of February doing Desert Island X Live. We'll have a lot of fun and afterwards I'll buy you a pint or alternative drink of your choice. So that's what you should do. If you want to get tickets, and believe me, I think you should, you can get tickets from the link in the description of this podcast or you can go to the 2 North Down website or you can find the link on our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at DicksPod. Okay, enough of that. Now on with the show. It's Desert Island Dicks with Alex Lowe. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian, actor, writer, also known as Clinton Baptiste and Barry from Watford, Alex Lowe. How are you doing? Oh yeah, great thanks. Great to, great to speak to you, Daniel. Uh, I've been very busy just on tour I'm back now. Uh, I've been touring as Clinton and uh, hoping to have a nice Christmas. Put my feet up. Good, good. Well, thank you for joining us. I mean, obviously, you know, we know you've in, in, in many different guises. You are here today as yourself, as Alex Lowe. I mean, we can sort of imagine what some of your alter egos, um, how they might react to the, the questions I'm about to ask you. But how do you as an individual, I mean, do you find it easy to sort of rant about people or, or is this sort of tricky to <laughs> compile a list? Well, actually, the truth is I do find it easy to rant about people. And I have a list, as long as your arm, of people I would not not like to be stuck in Desert Island with. Uh, but I'm so much of a chicken that I'm not going to say their names because, you know, they're <laughs> bound to bump into them at some point. Um, 
But uh, equally, the people I've chosen are people who are unlikely to bump into me again, but I have the same disdain for them. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, quite often I do bump into uh, people who uh, occasionally I bump into very famous people who I half know. And I sometimes think um, I know them better than I do. I uh, so I there's various people. I th th these are two people. Just very quickly, I was Christmas shopping the other day. I bumped into Toby Jones, the actor, who I've worked with a couple of times, and I started chatting to him like we're long lost friends. He can't bloody remember me, and then I thought that was sort of embarrassing. Yes, it, it's kind of you know <laughs> we're on nodding acquaintance only, but because you see these people on telly, you kind of think you know them better. And then straight after that, I walked through Soho and I bumped into Harry Enfield who I did one Christmas show with about two years ago. And we got on famously and had a good old chat. And I stopped him and he looked at me like I was kind of mad. Who is this guy? And curtailed the conversation very quickly. So, so you know, I seem to know lots of people, not very well, but there's always the chance if I slag anyone off, I am going to bump into them. All right, Alex. Well, let's see how we get on then today. Um, let's, let's just dive in. Who's going to be the first person joining you on the island? Okay, the first person I would not like on the island is a bloke who used to sit with his kids near me and my son at Molyneux, Wolverhampton Wanderers Ground in the West Midlands. Uh, some years ago, see, I was a big QPR fan. Uh, are you a football fan, Daniel? Not really, no. Okay, well, I'll get through this. <laughs> you can probably sympathise with this. It's, it's kind of anyone you sit next to at a major event who keeps getting up and down out of their seat. <laughs> yeah. uh, many, many years ago, uh, I, I was a QPR fan. I stuck a picture of QPR versus Wolves on our fridge. And my son, who was seven at the time, went for the wrong bloody team. He went for Wolves. <laughs> and my wife was kind of full of this oh isn't it great you know he's got his own thing wolves <laughs> you don't understand you know that is it now yeah. that is his his absolute passion for the rest of his life so he's very very keen on wolves and over the years i've taken him up on the train every week in week out we've been to away matches but the irritating thing was <laughs> to be sat next to this guy and there are some people who who, well, you included, it seems, who don't get the absolute raw passion of going to something. And I imagine it's the same for anyone who goes to gigs. Mm. Someone who keeps getting up to get their kids sweets or the kids need the toilet or something, always pushing past. At football, you know, there's never a lot of room for your knees. So this guy would be getting up and down, up and down. Now, I hasten to add, where I sit now at Wolves, it is not that section. So I don't want <laughs> anyone coming up to me there, not that I speak to anyone there particularly, and claiming it's them. So it's 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 that guy, you know, with his snotty kids coming back, endless, endless supply of crisps, drinks, sort of Haribo things, and constantly interrupting mm. my 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 viewing pleasure yeah no i can understand that. see although i'm not a big football fan my brother is yeah. and when we were growing up yeah. in leicester he was always taking me to leicester matches which i really enjoyed and i thought i was a football fan until he sort of left home and i realized that without him sort of explaining what was happening and taking me to matches it sort of, <laughs> sort of died away but i mean yeah. you know i do understand like the passion you get at a football match and how important it is even if it's just like a normal league game it feels you know it's it's you know yeah. it's a big deal and like someone who's just clearly 
isn't like not only interrupting you but it's like you know they're interrupting you because they're obviously the heart's not in it to the same extent that yours is absolutely it's really hard for but you know people will often say about sport and stuff they'll go it's just uh, 22 blokes chasing a bit of leather around a pitch which you could say about absolutely anything couldn't Mm. you oh why are you sitting here um you know why are you getting on stage it's just you standing on a wooden platform and speaking out loud to lots of people you can say about anything you know i remember getting married why do you need a piece of paper why do you need a piece of paper to get married to prove your love well unfortunately i'm just like any other human being yes i do occasionally need that sort of thing to validate you know nothing extraordinary about that so yeah um people who don't really get that thing i think anyone who's had kids and it might be the same with you and your brother you know shared some sort of love that you you feel that you're that you that you are sharing and it's important that you're both sharing it Mm. with each other you know if you've got a i don't know if you've got any kids daniel yeah i've got two kids yeah exactly but so so that whole thing of you know uh going out together and enjoying a father and son thing it's so important and it's just just the kind of i mean before my son was about five well maybe five seven when this happened um in fact exactly when he was seven because it was the the uh, world cup 2010 I think my my wife found it very upsetting. We didn't really have much relationship. I can honestly say (laughs) that football brought us together. Um, Nowadays, of course, I don't know anything about football. And he'll constantly say to me, look, it's page one all the time with you, Dad. You don't seem to know anything about it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's that. It's those kind of people who don't, who really you suspect don't have the same level of... uh, you know, desire. And it's, and that's true of anything. You know, people who go to uh, the theatre. You know, I was I went to see Dan Skinner's play. Uh, he, he plays Angelos at the Menier Chocolate Factory. And you see people who kind of, you think, what are you doing here? Mm. I mean, it's just a thing that you think you have to go and do. Are you enjoying? Are you getting anything out of it? You know, sort of, I have to say they're all slightly older people who sort of went there for a matinee and they were they were laughing, but you think, are you getting any of this stuff? Yeah. Why would you come? You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's sort of like because especially these days, the level of effort to get to things like this, you know, you've got to plan, you've got to think, you know, is like is the health of the nation okay that I can go out? I've ordered tickets. So, you know, especially if you've got kids, that's a hassle. You've got to sort of make sure you've got a babysitter. You get to this yeah. place and then you're like, oh, no, you know, so I take it or leave it, really. You know, I think these days I have such little time that if I go somewhere, it's, it's got to be worth it. You know, even if it's a friend's birthday, I'm like... Is this going to be worth it, really? I mean... You know, when you talk about that, you know, using your time, I'm considerably older than you. And I have now got this thing where I can't waste any time. When the adverts come on, I can't, you know, to watch some fucking funny toilet duck character walk (laughs) across the screen or, you know, some kids making some charmless quip or, you know what I mean? Mm. I, I can't... I can't be arsed with it. You know, I, Idris Elba telling us the benefits of Sky Telly and all these sort of treats. I just, I have to look away. I've got to look at something else. I cannot waste any of my time on any ephemeral shit. <laughs> I, every every second counts, you know? And I think that's a real failing. And I, I, I mean, it drives my wife mad. You know, I just, I, I, 
what something I've got to try and do in the coming year is is read a book. You know, I'm maybe going to cut down on social media, mm. but I, I find my career so endlessly fascinating and you know writing and going and do things and and touring maybe because it's only in in recent months that anyone's been remotely interested in <laughs> me touring around the country you know, prior to this i'm just a jobbing actor no one could give two hoots about but now suddenly people are turning up to see my show so i find that so kind of exhilarating mm. anything else i think is a bit of a waste of time apart from going to wolves <laughs> This is weird, though, isn't it? Because like a football, I mean, football tickets aren't even that cheap. So to like turn up to war, even if it's like Wolves, which, you know, not a huge team, but it's still not a cheap endeavour. It's not like, you know, when it used to be like when I used to go and it'd be like 15, 20 quid or something. Yeah, yeah. So to go yeah. every week and then kind of just sort of be up and down and just have a really short attention span. is just quite strange. Yeah. It's like, yeah, do you just yeah. like sort of going, oh, yeah, I love Wolves season ticket holder me. And um, but you um, don't really know any know anything about it. I do you know what i i really love going there with my son but you're right to go all the way up there and it costs a lot of money to go from watford junction get up there change get to the ground uh everything's expensive uh sit there and 90 minutes later it's time to come home yeah. it's you're right it's it's a most ridiculous thing but as i said the stuff you'll do for the love of your son and bonding yeah. <laughs> Well, lad. I mean, the other thing, the tragic thing now is he's in, at university in Manchester. Mm. So I go up from Watford and it's this terrible, painful thing where at the end of the match, he goes in the other direction. All these years since he was seven mm. of me, you know, getting on the train, going back home. And, uh, you know, he just goes in the opposite direction. So mm. oh. I don't know. That's what you, you got all that to look forward to, mate. Yeah, I know. At the minute, it's just sort of talking about dinosaurs and playing in the sandpit, so it's not too bad. Oh, yeah. It's okay. But mind you, that can get very boring. Can't yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, this kind of character, then on the island as well, having that kind of character with you, you're going, right, today we've got to build a shelter. There was a storm last night, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love building shelters. Then, just five minutes later, he's wandering off, coming back. I mean, just. Yeah. That mindset is just going to drive you mad. Or if you've got beautiful sunset and he's like, yeah, back in a minute, just go have a piss. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would be that. You've yeah. got to have people who are going to concentrate on, on the thing. But also I suspect someone like that is so into their home comforts. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know if you've got to constantly buying shit. This is the other thing. Just to go back on that, you know, I often feel like, you know, the ice caps are melting. The ice caps are melting constantly. I heard the most horrible ecological story on Radio 4 this morning about there's something that is about to shear off a massive glacier in the South Pole, whatever it is. Um, as you can see, I didn't take too much. <laughs> uh, but, but it's the size of Britain mm. and it will raise the sea level by 65 centimetres, mm. right, over the next whatever that is, 10 years or something. Now, that is terrifying. And yet people, this endless consumerism, constantly buying shit. Ed, Idris Elba telling us of more shit we can have. <laughs> you know, I don't, I really want to pare down stuff. I don't want to, mm. you know, the Christmas thing, I am a real, since we're doing this at Christmas, I've got to say, I, I really don't like Christmas. And I'm not <laughs> proud. I'm not proud to say that. I don't think that makes me clever. I'd like to enjoy it. But it's just you fucking disengage your brain for this whole 
two, three months where you've got to do it, it's Christmas. No, you don't have to do it. You've got to have that. Well, you know, you've got to have that. It's Christmas. No. And it's just, you know, it, the endless amount of junk going into landfill. I know I'm stating the obvious. So people like him who constantly have to get up and purchase shit and leave their wrappers on the floor and their drinks. I, I suspect this guy is not going to be, not that I'm particularly practical, but it's going to be someone who's absolutely steeped in modern living and consumerism, mm. which I want to sort of gradually turn my back on. Okay. Well, I think we're off to a very strong start. And uh, I, I Happy hate... Christmas, everyone. <laughs> I hate this man as well already, so I think it's a good, a good, a good opening gambit. Uh, who's going to be the second person joining you? Okay, well, this is a kind of a bit of an obvious one. Um, I had to go back a few years, but um, I, I live near Watford. I'm not saying everyone's like this, but the Watford, parts of Watford, some people in Watford have a little touch of these sort of what would you call it? It's an old-fashioned phrase: white flight about them, mm. out of Hertfordshire. Uh, occasionally I come across it. I'm not, it's not really any of my neighbours, I have to say, in case they're listening. But there is a slight sort of um, unconscious uh, racism. Uh, I, I hate that. I hate that sort of Little Britain thing that brought us Brexit. And I think this is a rather an extreme version of that. It was a skinhead uh, in 1985 who started on me and my mates. He was with his mates at Bournemouth Pier and uh, chased us up the road. And it was particularly terrifying. I had cigarettes put out on me. Uh, oh, and it's God. that really, I mean, it's such an obvious one. Who 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 would like to be stuck with someone like that? No one. But uh, yeah. it, many years ago, you know, when, when I was about sort of 17, well, I was 17, uh, we, we, we were a bit too young to get in the pub. And we looked young, you know, so it was that terrible time, you know, from about 16, between 16 and 18, where you want to get out, you want to get amongst it, you want to go clubbing and all that. But we just couldn't get in anywhere. So you sort mm. of hung around. We hung around uh, Bournemouth Pier with some really cheap, crappy accommodation. And there was me. Um, there was a guy who's very famous now who was One Direction's manager, I think, <laughs> Michael Greek, Mike Greek. He's a very, very well-known uh, agent or manager. Uh, another guy called uh, Paul Jackman, who's in television, and my friend Jonathan Eames. And we went out to uh, Bournemouth Pier. And this is all we could do. We couldn't really get in anywhere. Mm -hmm. And we were sort of playing um, pinball. This was the sort of thing you might remember uh, at that age. And we met some French girls, some lovely French girls. And I just remember as we were playing pinball in that sort of French way, that's the kind of thing they did, you know, playing pinball. <laughs> and I just, someone sort of nudged me and um, I didn't think anything of it. We carried on playing. And my mate, mate Johnny Eames tapped me on the shoulder and said, we're going to have to go now. We're going to have to go. I said, what are you talking about? So we're going to have to go. And as I turned around, I realised... We'd been shoved and we were there was a sort of semicircle of the hardest, nasty looking <laughs> skinheads uh behind us. And I was tapping the French girls on the shoulder who were carrying on playing pinball. And it was obvious it was the fact that they were French was what they didn't like about right. it. Right. And that we were dirty 
English around with foreigners. And we and eventually I managed to push my way through them and try and escape through these crowds of people in this arcade. And when we got outside, they were waiting for us outside. Mm-hmm. My friend Johnny disappeared. I hope you don't mind this story. It's not very seasonal. Story. <laughs> okay. Anyway, look, to cut a long story short, they stood there uh, flobbing on us, me and these girls, and uh, I had a cigarette put out on my hand. And every time I tried to say, um, look, what's the problem? It'd be like, oh, I'm mate, oh, I'm oh, mate, easy, easy, mate. I couldn't get a word in. So eventually I managed to get back into the Bournemouth Pier, uh, alerted a woman at the bucket and spade shop who said, go into the arcade, find a bloke called Dave on the uh, change machine, change, you know, where they did the change, mm. and tell him what's happened. So I pushed the front of the queue of the uh, change cashier booth. <laughs> the person behind it went, fuck off, because I put <laughs> you know, No, no, I'm here to ask for Dave. All right, well, he went uh, you know, over the sort of tannoy, Dave, Dave, could you come to the uh, cashier's booth? <laughs> anyway, it was obvious what was going on. These, I could see these skinheads in there, back in there, looking for me. And he came and said, do you want to point them out, mate? I was thinking, I'm not going to go up and say, this is them. <laughs> uh, anyway, cut the story short, uh, we tried to, we sort of made a run for it and uh, tried to get in a taxi. Now, I know this sounds ridiculous for uh, millennials, but getting a taxi was not something we did. It was just... We just didn't do it in those days. We caught the bus. It was a bit of a thing to catch a taxi. I didn't really know how much it cost even. Got in the taxi with these French girls who were very sort of crying, knew that there was something afoot. And um, with that, the taxi, my mate Johnny Eames turned up. There were three girls and me. And he turned up banging on the window saying, let me in. And the cab driver said, no, I'm not taking all of you. So we all had to get out. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Steamed it up the road and eventually got into a hotel where um, I phoned another taxi and we sort of got away. So mm. it was a kind of horrific reminder. You know, there was a time, I don't know whether you remember this, but from about the age of, say, 14 to about 22, as a bloke living in the suburbs, or, mm. you know, maybe it's the same the world over there's always a chance it's going to kick off. And yeah. it was a real relief to get to sort of 22, 23, and that sort of died down. But, you know, I'm always aware of that with my son. You know, there's always there's always a slight air of there's going to be some absolute nutcase. Mm. And, and I think we came dangerously close to a, a horrible pasting at that time. I remember once in Brighton seeing, like, I think there was an EDL march on that day, and they used to, there was a period where they used to go down to Brighton and just wind everyone up because obviously Brighton's the sort of, you know, like lots of sort of like left wing hippies and stuff like that. So the EDL used to turn up, and I got off the train and it was like it was like something out of like a something you'd see on telly. These two skinheads, you know, like the you know bomber jacket and the boots and everything. And they both had shave really short hair, obviously skinhead, and one of them on his head had the word t- um, skinhead tattooed on his skinhead. <laughs> And the other one had like a tattoo of knuckle dusters on his skinhead. Yeah. And it was like, are you, have I like walked into a set or something? Because it seems a bit heavy handed if yeah. you're filming This Is England. You know, you don't actually have to write skinhead on him. Like I get it. Yeah. But, you know, you just go, oh, my God, you are fucking terrifying. Well, yeah. I mean, and I suppose, you know, this is completely obvious that you wouldn't want to share a desert island with any of these <laughs> nutcases. OK, well, I don't have to delve too deep into why they'd be difficult to be on an island with. So I think it's another fair choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They wouldn't be sharing any fruit, would they? No, They'd have their own all. fruit. 
and they wouldn't <laughs> any foreign fruit either. They wouldn't, they wouldn't find themselves on a desert island. They'd be Canvey Island is about it. <laughs> oh, right. And who's going to be the third person joining those two people then? Okay. Well, look, you know, I, I, I didn't want this to be all sort of horrible stuff. Uh, but there's a guy, there's an actor called Johnny Flynn, mm-hmm. who I wouldn't like to be with just because, for perfectly nice reasons, he seems to me to be the personification of all that is great about humankind. He's very attractive. He's um, Jerome Flynn's brother. Mm-hmm. And I did a thing with him. I can't remember what it's called. What was it called? Oh, my God. This is terrible me. I can't remember what it's called. We did a TV program. I was in an episode of it. Love, love something. Rather. Anyway, he was in that. I didn't watch it. And um, he is a very, very good actor. He's very charming. He's very intelligent. He plays in a band that seemed to be do very well. Um, and I was talking to someone the other day and his name came up. And this guy also said, this guy, he cannot put a foot wrong. Women love him. And I just think to sit there watching this guy who has this wonderful career, he's got all the angles covered. I think I would just be feeling my own sense of uh, my own failings, you know. <laughs> and I think, I mean, yeah, because any anecdote you had, you know, if you were sort of t- looking back at your careers or saying, oh, yeah, I remember this audition I did once. And he's like, oh, funny, I've never really had a bad audition. It would be that sort of thing where you're kind of constantly going, OK, well, let's get on with each other. Here's yeah. like, let's exchange some stories. But you can't you can't ever kind of connect. But you can't really bond. But, you know, I mean, sort of, you know, when you're an actor, I, I never be- I've never been very good at playing the game. You know, mm. I, I, I'm not a particularly uh, attractive, I'm not a Gorgon, but I'm not, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a sort of middle of the road, suburban, lower middle class bloke, you know, from northwest London. I don't have any, I don't even have the added thing of being Danny Dyer or, or Eddie Marson. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I don't even have that sort of Cockney thing. I'm just a sort of estuary bloke from the suburbs. <laughs> And Johnny Flynn is kind of posh and he's beautiful and he's got lovely blonde hair. And this kind of, you know, um, I just feel I've just been one of these people who's kind of had to stumble along in the middle ground, which mm. naively I always thought was what actors did. You're a kind of a pawn for, you know, you're a vessel for pouring in this character mm. and you can play all these varieties of characters. But over the years, it it sort of, stupidly it's taken me a long time to realize that you have your brand and your thing that you play and mm. i've never really decided what that is because i'm a sort of catch-all for everything so i think that would be nice if if i'm not johnny to be someone like johnny with blonde hair and <laughs> extraordinary talents and a nice way of speaking you know mm. i suppose the sort of people that like you want to really dislike and then you meet him you're like Oh, actually, you know, like I remember people at school or at uni and you're like, oh, who's that guy? He seems really good looking. All the girls like him. What a prick. And then you actually get chatting to him and you're like, oh, he's really fucking yeah. nice as well. And he, was, and he always yeah. remembers your name afterwards. That's it. You're like, oh, bloody hell, even. Yeah, oh, he actually is nice. Fucking hell. I know. No, that's yeah. true. And he is super nice. And I think everyone mm. will tell you he's super nice as well and very unspoilt by any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> what a bastard. What a bastard, yeah. No, he's great. So I would, I would okay. like to be with him just to reminds me of my failings, pretty much. 
Well, it sounds like he's also not going to get on very well with the right wing uh, sort of uh, thug. So, I mean, you know, it's just going to provide another sort of opportunity for you to get involved in something because, you know, he's going to get started on for having long hair and being a bit effeminate. Probably. I know, I... Then you're going to have to intervene. Yeah, exactly. and that's going to cause trouble. You don't need that, Alex, on the island. I know what will happen. There'll be some gorgeous mermaid would swim up and take him away with her, you know. <laughs> or, or some casting director worse would swim up and put him in something and not me <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough well that's your three dicks okay now Alex mercifully amongst the wreckage of the plane there was some food and drink left over unfortunately for you it's your least favourite food and drink in the oh. world what are they and why are they so okay, bad okay my wife has recently gone vegetarian mm-hmm. you know I respect her for it I'm delighted uh but, you know, if we get an Indian takeaway, she will say, oh, lovely, some taka dal or some chana masala, which mm. is like chickpeas and really bland stuff. But the thing that is absolutely for texture, everything, which, which is just so inedible, is okra. Do you know okra? Yeah, yeah, okra, yeah. It is rank. It's the most <laughs> awful texture. It doesn't taste particularly nice. It doesn't do anything. It's slippery. It's like a sort of alien's bummer. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting, slippery muck. So okra, okra, especially mm. when you see that and you think, well, the alternative is I could have had a nice lamb ticker masala. But no, mm. we've got okra and some chana chat or some... <laughs> You know, I mean, yeah. one of her favourite things uh, a while ago was to go to a Bellpori house. Do you know what those are? Bellpori. Yeah, they're sort of little starters and little kind of crispy snacks, aren't they? Oh, mate. Oh, mate. That ain't a starter. That's a mate no. course in her world. Uh-huh. There's no meat with it. It's like it's like sugar puffs, isn't it? And it's like um, mm. Ice Krispies, uh, a sort of bit of kind of yogurty stuff. And you mix it all together. That is not a meal, is it? That's a sort of horrible mess. And I think that um, along and apologies to you know any of our South Indian friends who think I'm being racist. I just I just don't like it. Does that make me yeah. wrong? Well, I know. I mean, I think if it's you know if it's just your taste, it's your taste, isn't it? I think yeah, okra. I think there's a lot of people don't like it, and it's a weird one because it's not like. It doesn't seem very versatile. Like you only see it in that one dish. Like you have it in in a sort of a curry dish. Yeah. But it's not like you can eat it any other way. It's just you know, it's not like you know a carrot or something that you can you know you could have it in a curry or a potato. You can have it curried. Yeah. You could have it sort of dry spiced. You know, like a Bombay potato or something. You can have it like there's a million different ways. But it seems that like okra is a very narrow operating window. <laughs> I wonder whether. I mean, surely I'm sure you can sort of deep fry it couldn't you i think maybe i've seen it deep fried yeah that the nice bit about that would be the batter not the actual okra wouldn't it so yeah i think it's something that you know there will always be a better option you could buy a cotton bud i mean that it doesn't mean (laughs) you know uh so so okra is the thing really and and often i've seen it and tried it again and thought no you're quite right that really is disgusting 
Yeah, I can't think of it sort of having, you know, I can imagine the texture, but I don't know what it tastes like. You know, it doesn't, it just sort of tastes of its surroundings. It doesn't have its own thing. It's almost like it kind of, it's just to bulk things up, you know, so you don't just have sauce, you've got something in there. But I, I can't think of it as having its own okay, real well, taste. you think of like a cat that's <laughs> got diarrhoea and you were forced to ladle a bit onto your plate. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember what it tastes like, but it's mostly it's the it's the texture of the thing. Yeah, yeah, slimy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And what would you try and wash it down with? What would your drink choice? Okay, be? the choice of drink. My least favorite drink. Mm. Okay, this is controversial, but it's coffee. Okay. Yeah. Who on earth has managed to convince the British people over the last fifteen, twenty years? that we like coffee whoever has done that has just you know had just the most incredible marketing skills because you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You must have seen it, particularly in London, there's a lot of sort of coffee mm. snobs going into near or what have you. And sometimes they'll have a glass of water with their coffee, presumably to wash down the taste of the fucking horrible coffee that they've just bought. Mm. What is, it is, it doesn't quench thirst. It's claggy. It makes your breath smell of a library assistant in a school it's 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 sort of unrewarding there's people who endlessly opine over the different types of coffee as if you know there are very different um you know the costa don't do it as well as nero don't do it oh starbucks i'll never touch it it's all horrible it's all <laughs> bitter eh, you know acrid at the back of your throat now, give me a cup of tea any time with my British palate. It's refreshing. It's subtle. It's sort of, it's a comforting, savoury taste. It doesn't, it doesn't either, you know, hype you up so much that you want to go and, I don't know, run a mile. It, mm. it, it doesn't, it doesn't come with so much milk that it, you know, you can't speak properly because it's all in your throat. It's, it's rank coffee uh, in this mug here i have coffee and yeah. the reason is because the only two times i've been really into coffee have been when my kids have been very young and my youngest is currently 10 months old and likes to wake up most mornings yeah i'd say nine out of 10 mornings at 4 30 so and during these times i it's the only time i'm really i crave coffee just because i know that i don't have time to drink the number of teas i need to get me awake <laughs> enough to function so this is my second coffee of the day yeah but I've got this really bad taste in my mouth. Yes. And I feel tired. But as I'm speaking to you, like my heart is racing. <laughs> like, you know, I am very awake, but I still feel lethargic. And it's like, I wish I just had a comforting cup of tea there yeah. instead. But this is what I needed. And and I know that as soon as he starts sleeping better, I'm going to stop drinking coffee again for a while, you know, because it doesn't like I'll have the occasional one. But I'm not it, for me, it's very functional. And even then, I don't it, you know, it kind of annoys me. But that there are other things you can do that are not even in drink form if you want to perk up. 
Yeah, but I don't want to get in the realms of having like uh, Red Bull in the morning. I mean, that's just barbaric, you know. Like, you know, sometimes you're on the tube in the morning, there's a guy next to you with a Red Bull. It's like, oh my God. No, I mean, it's, but in terms of a drink to be enjoyed, oh God. But the snobbery, the absolute bullshit about it. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing is I find sometimes you go into a coffee shop and they've got all the signifiers that it should be really good coffee. You know, there's a bicycle on the wall, there's a typewriter (laughs) on the windowsill. You know, like, okay, I get it. You've got a beard. It's going to be good. (laughs) You're using words like single origin and and like there's a poster of Guatemala. Yeah, Nora Jones is playing. Yeah, and then you pay three quid for something and it's still not very good. And you're like, yeah, you yeah. fucking bastards! Yeah. Like. But it's always intriguing, you know. I've never someone who's n- never drunk that much coffee. You will see adverts where instant coffee is being delighted in. You know, mm. someone saying, "I," you know, there, what was that one where she had to pretend it was being percolated? Oh, Nescafe yeah. Gold or one of these the mm. Egberts or one of these things, mm. and they sort of mm, lovely coffee. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe it can be, if you can, through instant coffee, replicate something that people need little Nespresso shots with and, you know, mm. uh, Brad Pitt is advertising and uh, the other fella. You know, if you can replicate that, I think it's all a load of Emperor's New Clothes. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, occasionally I have a really nice coffee, but for every nice one I have, there's about eight very substandard bitter messes of a coffee. So, what makes it good, yeah. though? What makes it good? I mean, you say. I don't know. I mean, sometimes. What? What? what it, it, it makes your breath smell less, or. Sometimes it's not really bitter and strong. Sometimes it just tastes like, okay, this is all right. It's not, it's sort of smooth and nice. And sometimes it's really like. Yeah, acrid and, yeah. and strong, and it makes you really on edge while still being tiring. I don't know what what the difference is, or you know, and it's like I guess it's some. I don't know if it's the bean or the process. I just think it's too hit and miss to rely on, and it annoys me. Because a cup of tea is generally all right. It's you know? Generally all right, but you know, you the the worst thing is you're queuing up behind someone ordering coffees, and there's that barista machine that's supposed to be so technical i'm on Mm. the barista machine and i'm twisting this and i'm tapping that out and i'm wiping this nozzle down with this Mm. like it's it's not the fucking spaceship you know what i mean it's not uh the the sort of reverence for this stuff Mm. just being spoon fed us and quite honestly you might as well spoon feed coffee into your gob you know if that's (laughs) it's only about getting a high yeah. But, but we've been somehow brilliant. Whoever has done this has convinced the British punter that no coffee is, it's it's not a it's a sort of socio-economic sign, isn't it? It's a sort of sign of your standing. Yeah, fair enough. Good choice. Okay, now fortunately you won't be without entertainment on the island. <laughs> the plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they, and why? Okay, well this is a seasonal thing for everyone out there. Uh, I, I'm not averse to a Christmas song. One of my favourite songs that I would listen to during the year is is Elton John "Step Into Christmas." There's something about I think it's joyous and lovely. But the song I cannot bear is I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day by uh, Wizard. What's his name? Mm. Is it Wizard? Roy Wood. Roy is it Roy Wood? And- From Wizard. Yeah, oh. the band's Wizard, isn't it? And 
I just, I mean, as I said, I'm not a big fan of Christmas. I don't mind it for a day or two with my kids. I like boxing days. You can go to football. But this endless disengage your brain Christmas bollocks. Uh, and that is the absolute, uh, uh, you know, epitome of that. Mm. I wish it could be Christmas every day. I and mean, it's a really bland British song. It doesn't have mm. anything nice. There's nothing harmonious about it. It's just, uh, I mean, even, yeah, how does it start? I can't think. I, they all merge into one sometimes, don't they? Oh, I'm thinking of... I just, I can only think of the chorus. Yeah, it's got that sound in it, doesn't it? But no, I mean, I just don't, I mean, just Christmas, it goes on and on. I mean, I know I sound like a middle-aged twat. And I, as I say, I'm not proud of it. I wish I could enjoy it, but it's just, it's absolutely moronic. And I don't think anyone really enjoys it after a while. It goes on and on and on. And if you're a self-employed person who kind of loves their work, uh, I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get on with things again, you know? <laughs> and it's a sort of British thing. Oh, well, you know, oh, we got it's all got to come to a close for Christmas because really we don't really like our anything to just get away from work. Mm. If you're American or something, you would be thinking, great, I can't wait to get amongst it again. Mm. But I just, but the thing is about being self-employed is of course, while you're not working, you're losing money and then you're spending it at the same time. And it's the worst possible time of year because at the end of January, you've got tax to pay. So it's like the, the worst time to have Christmas for me. One of the most depressing things I heard at Christmas once was um, a few years ago Roy Wood from Wizard was on the radio and it was sort of you know when Spotify and YouTube and stuff became a big thing yeah. and he was going yeah see you know I used to make a lot out of royalties you know obviously having a Christmas a Christmas hit that's always you know money in the bag every year but um, you know now I make less money from airplay and stuff because you know everyone's streaming it and stuff and um, so you know I've written a song about uh, New Year's Eve because I realised there aren't any songs about New Year's Eve and I was like <laughs> Oh no, Roy! It's never going to work, Roy. Come on, like, please, Roy, just, yeah. just get a different job or something. And I was like, Roy, I want to write in and be like, sorry, can I just say to Roy Wood of Wizard there, um, yeah. we don't need. I mean, we'll still just use, you know, Prince's 1999. That works as a New Year's Eve. We don't need. It's, yeah. Roy, just stop it. Just stop. It's okay. Well, I, like, I, I just I, break his little heart. I mean, I know I've sounded really down about Britain, and I. I don't. I said Little Englanders and all that, but there is something so unsubtle and awful. Even his name, Roy Wood, <laughs> Roy Wood, with his song about Christmas, dadan, dadan, dadan. It's a, a big bearded monster of a man. There's nothing nice about it. There's nothing subtle about it. It's all tinsel and big busty getting pissed on Watney's party seven there's nothing nice. <laughs> there's nothing subtle about it a big sledgehammer of a christmas and i don't like it. it's hot <laughs> it's like getting over hot as a kid and being told to calm down by your mum that song <laughs> you know stop showing off in front of relatives that's what it makes me think of <laughs> i think i love certain songs that people pick are you know annoying but certain songs 
suit the the scene of going mad on an island so well and there's something about christmas music <laughs> that so suits the sort of like desperate like descent into madness on an island like as you're all going crazy being chased around by the skinhead oh, <laughs> to to i wish it could be christmas every day it's just it's perfect <laughs> it's such a good choice um okay what would your film choice be okay i mean I'm, once again i'm not trying to be clever i don't want you know but genuinely it is any sci-fi mm. any sci-fi does not interest me and if i'm really going to be honest star wars okay i i can honestly say i did not see star wars i saw it when it came out did it came out in 1977 that sounds about right and i think i remember seeing right. it at pinner um cinema the langham cinema in pinner where i grew up and then I can honestly say I did not watch any Star Wars movies until I think it's 2014, which is the one that came out. Um, was there one in 2014 that came out? I came up with my kids. Oh, I've lost count now. I mean, I mean, because there was the recent three, weren't there? But that would have only been the last sort of four, five years, I suppose. But um, it was the one. Yeah. I don't know, but anyway. I, and and I fell asleep during it. I'm not, as I said, I'm not trying to be clever. I know people love it. They they genuinely love it. But any anything where you can suddenly reverse the polarity, or luckily there's no re, where there's no real jeopardy because at any moment mm. you can change physics doesn't interest mm. me. Yeah. Like, how can anyone really feel any sense of tension? If at any moment you can change the physics of the world around you, it, it, it just doesn't yeah. make sense. I don't, I'm not invested in any of it because the writer can go, ah, oh, but I tell you how we get out of this. He's got the um, sonic screwdriver and he'll just reverse that and it will send time into a warp space continuum bollocks. And that's how they get out of that. It, it just, yeah. it just doesn't, you know, doesn't interest it's a good point. Is it the phrase ex machina? Is that the thing where they just sort of go, oh, how we can never get out of this? We'll just introduce something yeah. that, you know, you just suddenly change the rules a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. I think, um, and also because it's not like you have a comeback because occasionally you might hear people going, oh, well, actually, they couldn't have done that because if you look uh, to two films prior, you'll uh, they, yeah. they specifically yeah. said, but because like it's all just based on made up bollocks, you can just sort of suddenly go, well, actually, no, because this works yeah. in this context. So, Absolutely. yeah, it's fine. You know. And my wife as a school teacher is forever telling me, oh, no, these are these are old fables. These are kind of ancient fables that have been updated for, you know, uh, and these stories. It's only a, it's only a morality tale that you would read in the Bible. And these are timeless, timeless stories. <laughs> I was going, so what? It doesn't make it good, does it? You know? yeah, yeah. Uh, and plus, it, plus, it can change at any given moment. But, I mean, you know, it just doesn't... It doesn't really do it for me. And uh, and I'm sorry about that. But but And it's the sort of thing that surrounds it, this endless talk about, you know, and people who are much admired if they can do an impression of... Um, what's that big Yeti thing in it called? A Chewbacca. Yeah. Yeah. It's great the hilarity that you can sound a bit <laughs> like Chewbacca. Oh, oh. No, fair enough. And I think they're they're weird films because some of them are kind of like some of them are sort of like kids' films, and other ones are a bit more serious. And it's weird to have a series where there's like 
yeah. you know, one's a 15, but one's a universal. And it's, yeah. it's like, what? There's no sort of consistency. Like, oh, well, this one, we're going to make a gritty one. You're like, well, I thought it was for all the family. Like, one's got Ewoks and cute things in it, and the other one's like a bit gritty. And yeah. it's, uh, which is kind of, this, so you've got to sort of try and have a bit of consistency, you know? Well, I mean, there's a lot of that kind of, you know, I think that about Harry Potter, there's a lot of adults very keen on Harry Potter, very keen to tell us how much they like Harry Potter and their experts. Well, why do you have a bit of dignity? It's for children. It is for children. Mm. Star Wars is for kids. It's a kid's movie, isn't it? Have I missed something? It's a very, very simple tale that's for kids. Yeah. Now, why don't you um, watch something a bit more befitting of your age and intellect? There's so much of this shite, you know, out there, you know, uh, that's really, really, I mean, I think that about adverts you see now. I don't know whether it's a millennial thing or a Generation Y thing, but really, really dumb, childish adverts. Really mm. sort of, I can't think of, I'm trying to think, you know, invariably I mentioned sort of toilet duck or there's some creature being introduced. Hello, I'm your, Yeah. I'm Mr. Polish. Or really <laughs> babyish stuff that I can't actually bear to watch now, yeah. as I say. And it's sort of really dumb. But somehow people love that. They love that sort of <laughs> switch-off dumbness. And I think that's so, 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 of Harry Potter and, and Star Wars. Somehow we've been told as adults we're supposed to love that. It's a children's film! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point. It's... Um... It's always disappointing when you see anything like that, and it's, whether it's a new advert or a new new film or something, and you watch it on your own. You go, "God, that was bullshit. That's going to get panned." And then you sort of yeah. meet up, you know, you go to work or something. And I was like, "Oh, do you see it?" And the catchphrase, "Yeah, the catchphrase." And then yeah. you go, "No, like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. This isn't. This is not meant to be like that." Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, I think um, because because it's Christmas, we're going to give you the box set, so you can have the full <laughs> box set of all nine Star Wars films, well, like the. the to be fair, the Trilogy of trilogies. I've only so, seen, um, I have only seen Star Wars once in 1977, and then this other one, which name escapes me, in 2014. So Okay, well, you have plenty of time to get up to speed then, <laughs> yeah, Alex. Okay. All right. Now, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? I want to say spider, but that's an insect. So what I'll say is, well, you can have it's, it's it's you know insects are under the animal category, so you can't you can have a spider. Okay, well or spiders. Okay, well it's the creepier end of things. I was going to say snakes. Mm hmm. Ah, oh, what a horrible thing a snake is. <laughs> I mean, what a horrible thing that is. It's terrifying. It's, it's slippery and all that sort of stuff. And occasionally you'll get some sort of um, you'll get someone quite often around here in the suburbs with a uh, a ring through their nose will tell you with great pride about their snake or some horrible thing they've kept in a in a tank in their in their <laughs> house snakes terrifying and you know what we do is every year well when we were allowed to go we go to portugal um on the western algarve my mate has got a place there all the kids his kids and my kids growing up had a great time really love it and it's, I mean, maybe I've got no imagination, but we go there year after year after year. And we always go to, well, I don't, it was probably stopped going now, the kids are older. It's called Slide and Splash, which um, 
does sound a bit like someone having a shit, I know, but <laughs> it's a um, a water theme park, which I love. I love. Mm-hmm. But when you go around there, you can have your photo taken with an owl that sits on your shoulder. You know, they do that. Mm. They come up yeah. it on your shoulder and, and you can go and collect the photos when you live. Mm. Or, and or, a sort of horrible fucking yellow snake thing. Real, 100% real, that looks absolutely terrifying. It looks like that yellow is a warning. Really horrible mm. yellow thing. And I've been there before and I've tried to do it, hold it up to have a photo taken. And the last time I was there, this thing clearly can tell I'm terrified of it. My palms sweating in my trunks there, stood there. And it, and it, last time it turned and began to look at me like, <laughs> this bloke, he's right, and make its way towards my face where I had to throw it off uh, to the, uh, the photographer and his assistant there absolutely horrible and and of course it's you know the original sin isn't it uh adam and eve with the snake in um the garden of eden not slide mm. and splash in the garden <laughs> uh and you know i just think it is human beings who like snakes we are surely surely conditioned as part of our you know our dna to to not like snakes it mm. makes me think, yes, okay, I'm a proper human being. I don't trust people who like snakes and spiders. See, I never had a problem with snakes. And when I was little, I used to be, you know, when like you're, you're a kid and you're like, you're really fascinated about one animal or one thing. Yeah. And I used to, when I was little, I used to be really into snakes and have loads of books on them. And these days I'm sort of less, less fussed. But um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't. Snakes and football. Them. Snakes and football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. But I mean, but the point is, even though I don't have a problem with them, if like even if I had a pet one, I think if it was loose and it just suddenly came up behind my shoulder, I'd still get a fright. Yeah. Whereas with a, with my cat, that will never happen unless you know he really takes me by surprise and jumps on me. So there's something quite weird about an animal that you know you have nothing against, but could still scare the shit out of you. You know if it, you know like I've seen them in the wild and I've sort of I have jumped and kind of ran away yeah. because it's a primal thing, isn't it? Even yeah. if even if you're fascinated by them, they're terrifying. Yeah, they're they're just very strange strange animals. Yeah. So anything that looks sort of alien like that, it, it's 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 too horrible. It's too horrible. Oh, yeah. Snakes and spiders. But I think you know. I mean, if I'm really pushed, spiders. Uh, really, I'm really pretty terrified of them. Okay. And I always think the, the the worst of the spider kingdom is the daddy long legs, a fucking spider that flies at you. <laughs> Yeah, what is that? that? That is horrific. Yeah, and it's clearly so stupid as well. It's kind of like it's not even like they're not even purposeful. They're just kind of flapping <laughs> yeah, they around. They can't even like, do anything. It's like they can't even, you know, when you just see them sort of flying sideways along a wall. Oh, like, it's what are you, terrible. What, what are you, are you trying to achieve? Doing? What are you doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, Alex, I think you've you've made you know a, a great island full of awful things of your own making and uh, you know I think um, it's going to be a really unpleasant place to spend time so you know you've done really well on you know in terms of nailing the brief so uh, thank you you thank you Um, and I'm I'm relieved that you don't have to don't have to stay on there Um, but Alex you're saying you've been on tour where's the best place to keep up to date with what you're up to oh very good clintonbaptiste.com 
and I'm going out on tour next year, all being well with COVID, uh, September to December with, do you know Lewis McLeod? He's the most, he must be the best impressionist in the world. He does mm -hmm. dead ringers. He does endless amounts of voiceovers and he plays a character called Ramon in my podcast, Clinton Baptiste Paranormal Podcast. And so we're out on, on tour from September to December. Uh, and between now and then, God knows, but I'm, I'm quite happy throughout the winter to just hunker down here, do some writing and, uh, you know, see through the terrible Omicron. <laughs> lovely. All right, Alex. Well, uh, thank you very much again for coming on and uh, I hope you have a lovely Christmas. Thank you. I'll try and get through it. So there you go, that's Alex Lowe on Desert Island Dicks, and that brings us neatly to the end of 2021, although we do have a couple more episodes to put out this year over Christmas. We're going to bring you the recordings from our previous live shows with Fern Brady and Stephen K. Amos, and I think that once you have listened to those, you'll really be in the mood to attend a live show yourself. But don't wait for me to be proved right. Just buy a ticket now, before Christmas, then it's done, something to look forward to, and God knows we all need something to look forward to at the minute. And and um, we can see you in February. Before I go, I'd just like to say that Desert Island Dicks is a sync clap production, created and produced by James Deacon, also produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus, edited by Chris Attaway. We get social media support from Jason Leach and Chinsey Clinton, not his real name. And as always, a special thanks to Grand Mamster Flash and John Deacon for all their hard work behind the scenes. As I say, we'll be back over the Christmas period with the recordings from our two live shows, but depending on when you're listening to this, it might be the one you listen to last before Christmas, so I hope you have a lovely Christmas if that's the case, and we'll be back very shortly with more dicks for your delectation. Thank you for listening. Bye.